0: okay welcome to the fuck the Sigma podcast today i have theo here with me Andrew and jordana co-hosting um theo's from end overdose mm-hmm. the nonprofit organization you guys provide a handful of resources and i kind of wanted to bring you on here to talk about it so yeah what do you why did you start end overdose what is it
1: that's a great question <laughs> i have no idea what it is <laughs> <laughs> i've never heard of it before yeah uh I think I started it for a lot of reasons where people get involved in like, I mean, just what you're doing, trying to raise awareness, trying to like get involved. Um, I've just always wanted to really help people, uh, but I've always wanted to make an impact in their life. And it's kind of dictated everything that I've ever done. And and overdose just seemed like the logical thing to do at the time. Uh, It actually started because of drug treatment centers.
0: How, like how so? Uh,
1: So... In California, there's about over three thousand drug treatment centers, each one with a census about ten to thirty people. And drug treatment centers alone, not including like and like adding their sober livings, it's about a quarter million people a year go through drug yeah. treatment center in Southern California. And uh, no one's required to carry Narcan, right? It's not yeah. a requirement. And so when I got sober um, in 2010, people just didn't have it. And they didn't want to carry it, and relapse rate for new users is like ninety percent
0: mm-hmm. and
1: like almost everyone that comes into treatment it's like eighty percent of new people coming into treatment have a problem with opioids, yeah, so like you're not from l a you're from Kansas, right? yeah, you get kicked out of treatment because that's the policy. Where do you go right? right and uh a lot of my friends overdosed right. A lot of my friends passed away and I was like, man, this would be so easy. Or the the coldest thing was people would go home and their parents wouldn't know what to do or their friends wouldn't know what to do. And then they would watch the person they cared about die and they could have done something to prevent it. They just didn't know that there was a medicine out there. Yeah, exactly sorry for being a demotivational speaker today
2: <laughs> no, no it's fantastic, and it's such a need you're absolutely right like in the treatment world treatment industry it's like what do you do when you leave treatment what are the resources available sure. and i think through fuck the stigma that's what we're trying to do as well is raise awareness and provide education resources for that continuum of care like there's such a lack I hear what you're saying of that continuum of care. So
0: yeah, and then like parents, like for example, like my family, they don't know like the first thing about addiction or drugs in general. They probably never touched a drug. Like my mom, so if like I would have gone home, gone back to opioids, like she wouldn't know what to do. Like there's not, she's not like informed or aware of like how to reverse like an overdose or like what to do. Probably just like call nine one one and like even in that time.
1: And just hold on. Yeah. Just yeah. call 911 and hold on, which is a bad plan, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's not enough. It's like, oh, fuck. Like, Yeah. Oh, yeah. I hope Sometimes they get it here takes quick. 30 like,
2: minutes for 911 or the paramedics yeah, to
1: for sure. Always the best.
0: On your website, it says, yeah, you guys are a nonprofit based in LA working at drug-related overdose deaths through education, medical intervention, and public awareness.
1: Oh, yeah. So what, of,
0: what education do you guys like? Provided. Yeah,
1: I mean, so just like we were talking about earlier, right? There's mm-hmm. a few different types of people, right? There are people that are You know, that would identify themselves as like addicts, right or people that are coming into recovery and Then you have like recreational drug users, right? Mm-hmm. Then you have people that have like severe mental disorders You have people that have clinically have issues and you have these different ranges of people that use drugs and and um, One of the things is that, uh, like you were talking about your parents, if you went home and your parents were like, what the hell is this? Right. To somebody that doesn't use drugs at all and never will. You're a crazy person. You're insane. Right. Mm -hmm. And helping people understand the difference between that, because for me, like if if you identify, like if you come to me and you tell me, hey, I'm a drug addict, like I self-identify as that, I have a problem with substances. I really don't want you to use, because I know what that means, right? right. If you're somebody that's like, hey, I'm a recreational user, I use sometimes, I use it I go to parties, I can take it or leave it alone, all right, how about it, live your dreams, right?
0: But there's also a risk with that.
1: Well, I mean, there's a risk with anything that could potentially kill you. But we take medicine all the time, right? You take tons of things, right? Tylenol can kill you if you take too much of it. Obviously, it's not fentanyl, that's really different. But the reality is, is that our education hasn't matched the changes in our drug environment, right? People still don't know there's an antidote. They don't know how to respond. They don't know what to do. Uh, but the drugs have just gotten like harder and crazier.
0: Mm-hmm. And then everything's being laced like with fentanyl.
1: Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is it's like fentanyl has been around for a while. Like How, what, how long what, has it been around? Since 1960. It's, a, mm-hmm. it's actually a drug that's used in medical procedures all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But it's like recently, I feel like it's, like I just had a conversation with somebody, they feel like it's been recently out on the streets. Like it's recently, only in the past few years, like started to get laced in other drugs.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're seeing it more, right? You're seeing a change in the way that uh, drug supplies kind of exist, right? Like fentanyl, you don't need any agriculture, so you don't need like fields of poppies (laughs) Mm -hmm. at all. So like you can make it in a laboratory as opposed to, you know, harvesting poppy seeds and like basically synthesizing them into like heroin and then selling it. So it's a lot cheaper to make, you can make counterfeit pills, you can do a ton of stuff with it. So it's overtaking the standard drug supply. So it's going to get worse before it gets better. And right now we're seeing that it's getting worse part Yes. because it's going to be the only drug besides like, you know, ketamine and meth.
0: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, your, your website, like, the problem being fentanyl is le- is lethal in small amounts, two milligrams. And many times people are unaware their drugs contain fentanyl. Three out of five overdose deaths could have been prevented if somebody knew how and when to intervene. Right. Um, when does somebody intervene? When and how?
1: Yeah, I mean, strong question, right? <laughs> I mean, uh, the, the one thing with, like, fentanyl, though, is, like... Uh, it's easy to overlook that like opioid overdose has been a problem since the 2000s, right? People are paying more attention to it. Like Oxycontin, Oxycontin overdose was huge. Heroin overdose was huge. So, uh, it's not just fentanyl. Fentanyl is just like, there's a lot of like media scare tactics that go around it, but there's a lot of people overdosing on a lot of other stuff too. Yeah.
2: And I think like medical professionals just keep prescribing it, prescribing it for well, like, they, pain management. Yeah. Well. but they,
1: Well, so there's actually like a lot of programs that are reducing the amount of pain management, like mm-hmm. that people get like with uh, narcotics, like prescription pills they have mm-hmm. actually have like ever since Oxycontin was really big in 2000 pretty pharma marketed Oxycontin is a non-addictive like treatment for pain. They said it was totally fine. Doctors went around. There were pill mills. Tons of people went into treatment, boosted the treatment industry, right? And uh, they said, hey, man, it's cool. You won't get it. You absolutely will not get addicted to this. (laughs) And people absolutely got addicted to it. Of course. And uh, like with fentanyl, they don't really prescribe it as frequently because it's usually used like for cancer Cancer patients. patients. Like if you're a terminally ill cancer patient, that's usually when they would give it to you. Is a transdermal patch, mm-hmm. so yeah, it's a little bit different.
2: What are all these kids are just getting like hold of all of it?
1: I mean, know? it's everywhere.
2: releasing it with everything. I'm just curious, like how?
1: I I mean, it's not that crazy. Like when you think of it, like uh, it I, like people. It's a very strong drug. Has a very potent high, so people are gonna put it in what they can. Right, it's a lot cheaper to get like fentanyl than it is to like buy prescription Xanax.
0: So you guys provide like education and train individuals, so your solution being educating and training individuals on how and when to intervene. The interventions include calling 911, using the fentanyl test strips, the ability to recognize the symptoms of an overdose. What would be the Uh, symptoms of, yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, so real simply put, there's something called the opioid overdose triad, pinpoint pupils, decreased breathing, Someone's unconscious. That's how you can tell if someone's opi- having an overdose, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, like the leading cause of death for young people, 18 to 45 is opioid overdose. Yeah. I so uh, we should treat it with the same fervor and like lo- like, you know, passion that we did when we trained everyone to use CPR. Mm. Like not a lot of people knew what CPR was. There was a time where like people would have a heart attack out of the hospital and everyone would just freak out. They'd be like, "Fuck, I don't know what to do." I don't want to
2: treat that. No,
1: they just wouldn't know what to do. They'd be like, "This is insane, right?" They'd be like, "I don't know what to do. Wait for nine one one to get you." (laughs) Yeah. And the American Heart Association was like, "That's crazy. You could do CPR right now, and they would live." Very simple concept, right? And so they went about a campaign of training everyone to know how to do CPR. You have, do you know what an AED is? No. So it's an automatic defibrillator. Basically, if your heart's in a weird rhythm, you can put some patches on your chest, and if, if you seen the button, the person says, "Yeah, I've hey, seen it. It I've and the person seen it. It. Yeah, that's an AED. <laughs> that's an AED, okay. right? Yeah. And that uh, changes your heart rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. So you see those in certain places. You'll see them like posted on a wall, and I'll have like a heart, and I'll be like, "AED." You mm-hmm. may have one here. Um, but we don't do the same thing with naloxone, and we don't do the same yeah. thing with opioid overdose response, even though it's killing everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to me, that's insane, right? Like, we have an antidote, we have a training, and we have a problem. Let's just, like, put those two things together, right? Fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, do you just, like, wait around and just be like... It... Yeah. Nah, man. I would
0: hate to feel helpless.
1: Have yeah. you ever been in a situation where you felt like you didn't have any power? It's...
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: That's how a lot of trauma gets formed. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, my experience, I'm a paramedic, I'm also a firefighter. And before I became a firefighter, I was an EMT and I would go around, I would go to these people's houses and I would experience people, uh, losing somebody and not having the power to do anything about it. And I would see their loss. I would hear them, I would Mm -hmm. hear them cry. Mm -hmm. And like, I knew that it was preventable. So it's a hard thing to be in that situation consistently, and then just kind of stand by.
2: What was the percentage of like your calls pertaining to like drug? Oh,
1: it depended. Like I used to work in Riverside, it was it was pretty high, pretty frequent. I mean, now I work in Macarthur Park, and I go on like ten a day, right? That's as a resource. Yeah. So it's It's like a high. Yeah.
2: Just you know, massive like homelessness and drug addiction there and just like high rate. Yeah.
1: I mean, it's, it's affects all people. I mean, there's like luxury apartments downtown. Like we respond to like 14 year olds, 17 year olds, 50 year olds. Like you people have this conception that the person that's using drugs and overdosing is like this crazy homeless person. And yeah. like, you know, unhoused people need a lot of help and they have need a ton of resources. There's like about 70,000 homeless in LA. Right. But over 10% of the population in the United States has said that they've had an experience or like at some time had a substance abuse problem. Mm-hmm. That's millions of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people that are suffering and you know overdosing and having these problems don't meet that category. Yeah. So it's easy to say this is what the problem is. You see it all the time. It only affects these people. But both of you are sitting in front of me and both of you had problems with substance. And... Oh,
2: for sure. For and sure. it was such a stigma. Like, you know, um, I sat with Lycia for hours and she sat with me and other yeah. speakers, just like the stigmas around substance abuse, mental health treatment, sure. and just these awesome stories about how, how, like where people come from, it doesn't matter. Like you said, it doesn't matter if you're homeless. It doesn't matter what, you know, educational background, like it's, you know, there
0: everyday people can struggle with like substance abuse there's like there's a stigma like with oh it's like only the people on the street homelessness yeah Yeah, for sure
1: yeah i mean before y'all you know started the podcast and like came in here like what was your experience like what did you before you had identified as someone's substance abuse problem what did you know about someone that used drugs like what did you hear
2: Underlining issues, you know, just in general, like untreated mental health, and mm-hmm. then a way to cope with the, you know, my, I can share about my personal, but a lot of people in my life and my journey have known you for years yeah. as well. So, You know, just underlining issues that were untreated, no education, no awareness, and just trying to self medicate with something to feel better and to feel a part of. And a lot of it is just being able to address the underlining issues, which I don't believe should. There's such a stigma around mental health Mm -hmm. that it's okay. This is why we created this to like voice, let's talk about the stigmas that people face. So, from my experience and journey in my little amount of my sobriety, a lot of people talk about like so much shame, so much embarrassment around, you know, addiction and that label. And then at the end of the day, there's all this like, oh, when I was a kid, I was diagnosed with X, Y, and Z, but it was like embarrassing, hush, hush. Don't talk about ADD, ADHD. Don't talk about depression or anxiety. Like you gotta match what society says and how you need to look, how you need to act, how you need to be. And it's whether if it was religion, there were so many pressures just from like conversations I've had, like so many pressures placed upon society. And I think, you know, together collectively we're just trying to like say fuck that you know let's just talk about what's really going on yeah. and just voice it um i hope i answered your question <laughs> for- I, get, I get really passionate <laughs> like you when it comes to like mental health and substance abuse and but i think i answered your question <laughs> sure i um for
0: me it was re- it was really hard and took me such a long time to admit i had a substance abuse issue because of the stigma i like placed on people who were addicts so like i i viewed them as i was one of the people that viewed them as like the people on the street or like a bridge yeah or just like somebody who i don't know barely like wore the same i don't know wore the same like whatever like didn't shower i don't know like i just had a weird view of non-showering people yeah (laughs) they're all
1: yeah they're Um, criminals
0: (laughs) (laughs) i just i didn't want to be that like anything that wasn't I just tried to like project it out like I didn't want to identify as somebody who had a substance abuse so had substance abuse disorder even though I was at the drug dealers house every day you know what I mean Um, and then like suffered so many consequences because of like shit I would do under the influence and like not having anybody's trust anymore losing the trust of my parents friends only down to one friend and um, not going to school almost flunking out um, like, it was ruling my life, but I couldn't see it. And then, like, kind of circumstances brought me to, like, get help. Like, I didn't seek it. I didn't really want it. Um, I got fucking, like, I got three DUIs. And then, like, they were like, dude, you might need to go to treatment. I was like, all right, I'll do it for my cases, but not because I actually need this. Sure. So, uh, but then, like, when I got here, like, my, my eyes kind of just opened a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, okay, yeah, maybe I'm a, maybe I do have a, a little a little issue with it. Um, and then recently only a few months ago, I was like, I started questioning it again. Mm-hmm. Um, like kind of going back on like, nah, I don't, I don't have an issue. Cause like, look at me, I'm sober now. I've been sober for like X amount of time. So, but then like <laughs> the time passes and you kind of forget how bad it was or how much you use. And my thing was Xanax. So I would forget, I like to forget. So the bulk of my addiction, I don't exactly remember
1: fair enough like a goldfish you get from one side of the bowl to the other side and you're like i don't know what's on the other side let me go back but do you all think that everyone that uses a substance is, has a substance abuse problem no,
2: no not at all
0: no i think there's people who like can say like have a really bad time drinking and like oh why would i do that again or like say they have a beer to accidentally hit like a trash can they're like oh i'm not going to drink and drive anymore I, sh- I should know better than that and don't do it ever again but I totaled two cars and then managed to do it a third time under the influence.
1: Yeah. So yeah. I mean, do you think that there's like a societal misinformation of people that use substance are automatically
2: I think so, for sure. A for some, drug yes. addict? For some yes. And
1: is that a problem of its own? Like what do you think about that?
2: It's circumstantial sometimes. Yeah. Um, In my opinion. Sure. But no, I don't believe that, oh, because you drink, um it's circumstantial and it's those underlining untreated issues in my opinion. Sure. And I think that it's so easy to place a label on something.
0: yeah but also like where do you draw the line like where where would you when would you think somebody might have a substance abuse issue it's their discovery it's their journey yeah they
2: see that you know my life's falling apart because i can't stop shooting up heroin and i've started off with x amount of like lifestyle or funds and like now i'm you know, it it's is, really for one to discover. It is a self-diagnosed yeah, what thing. what do you think?
0: It is a self-diagnosed thing, but I have a question for you. If you do meth once, like you, can, do you think somebody can like casually do use meth?
1: Yeah, I think so. I had a friend that I grew up with that like tried heroin with me mm-hmm. and they used it like, a few times, used it monthly they don't do it anymore their father their chef now no problem yeah. blew my mind right yeah. blew my mind right i've met yeah, i've I met doctors right that like take drop... acid yeah. and like chill yeah it's totally fine so We're like oh i
2: look forward to the weekend because this is when i drop it, see, yeah, I like, uh, <laughs>
1: it's like a then, thing they're yeah. like i'm going to the desert i'm going to do mushrooms with my friends and they leave it alone their and farm. the ayahuasca like, right. is
2: the latest thing like are these people i just want to do ayahuasca for the weekend. ayahuasca really doesn't
1: upset. sound very fun no,
0: i'm upset very... i can't do it dude really it
1: sounds <laughs> bad. He's like, get super sick.
0: Yeah, like I, I heard like if you think you have to fart, you're actually gonna shit.
1: Yeah, it's like not, doesn't <laughs> sound like that? a fun I experience. Really it's just like crazy tripping and uh, I'm out. It
2: just seems like I would be out of control and I don't want to be in like the middle of a jungle, like experiencing that with no like, Well you get like a robe, a, a lot shaman. of the places <laughs>
1: they get like a robe, there's a shaman, alleged shaman. Yeah. Yeah. Could be like, like Dave, could be like it. Dave <laughs> that like moved down <laughs> like somewhere. Deep. yeah Yeah, we love dave
2: (laughs) yeah we do man everyone's
1: got a dave everyone's got that shaman friend
0: did you have a stigma around addiction
1: uh yeah i mean i think it's like really normal to grow up in our society and like assume like it's the best kept secret right Mm -hmm. like hey the only people that i can share that i have like i'm using a substance with are people that also use substances because immediately the first thing you get confronted with is Ooh, you shouldn't be doing that, mm-hmm. right? Or someone assumes immediately that, like, you have a substance abuse problem. Right, and that's not everyone's experience, right? That's not everyone's case. It was for me. Like I for sure have a substance well, I was gonna ask you right? share with
2: us a little bit about like your journey, like where you were like raised. Yeah, and, like, I mean, just,
1: like, I grew up in Seattle, you. Washington, and oh. Seattle uh, was really affected by the Oxycontin epidemic. I mean, grunge culture was yeah. super big there. Black tar heroin, like I call it heroin rock, like Alice in Chains, and like yeah. just like mm, right. Uh, <laughs>
2: Speaks to your heart.
1: Yeah, but like I had a substance abuse problem. Like when I was 13, I got strung out on pills because I broke my leg and I got overprescribed. How I did started, you break your leg? I jumped off the flight of stairs. Like just for fun that. or yeah, just, just for fun. Because? I was oh, like a teenager. Is this the landing? Uh, I tried to clear two flights. Fun didn't being make a it. it. You know, just like oh. let's go anytime, any place, right? And. uh... You know, I got overprescribed on a medicine, and then by the time I got into high school, I was off of it, and I just had that feeling. And so I met somebody that had pills, and then heroin, and then I I used really hard and I used really fast, and um, I <laughs> I didn't have a doubt in my mind that I had a problem. It just uh, I didn't realize what the difference between having a substance use disorder and just being a regular person was, right? And so it's also difficult when you're young because mm-hmm. yeah. you're you're younger, right? So yeah. like you can bounce back really mm-hmm. easily. Uh, everyone's just kind of like, ah, you're fucking young. Yeah, it's you're young. Yeah, it's not a big deal. And it's like, all right, but at, at what point, right? And then there's mm-hmm. nothing like, You can't send me to enough camps. You can't like yell at me enough to like make me stop. Right. And it just.
2: Remember the D.A.R.E. program and all those like commercials. Yeah, I never, I never did
1: D.A.R.E. I don't think (laughs) D.A.R.E. was like there for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, D.A.R.E. uh, Yeah, that stuff. It's, they like
2: scare you into like trying to be insincere. It doesn't.
1: It it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, right? and like the last thing you want to do is basically tell somebody and moralize that they're bad because if they do end up having a problem, they're not yeah. gonna tell you. Like it's if so if ashamed. I well yeah if I think that you think I'm a demon or like a monster, like why would I ever confide in you, right? Yeah. And uh, I think that that's a huge problem because the hardest thing you can do if you do actually have a problem is like ask for help. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. who's
2: someone that, you know, you said you were really young, kind uh, of like a teenager, like who was someone that you were like confiding in? And,
1: like, Oh, no nobody. one. Nobody. Yeah. I think that a huge problem, like for somebody to, that self identifies, that believes that they have a substance abuse problem, it's really hard to get help because you may not have a community. Yeah. Right And community is, the, is one of the most important things. It's arguably the most important thing, like having mm-hmm. people that support you. The other problem is uh, if you have a substance abuse issue and you're like heavy into your use, you could be kind of a shit bag. Right, you cannot be the most lovable person around. You. Yeah, it's part you just, of the symptoms. Yeah, right? you
0: start getting isolated because you're fucking everybody over. Well,
1: yeah, and also like your mood is crazy. Like mm-hmm. you, the way you're behaving is really painful to people that yeah. care about you. They don't want to watch you die. You don't understand the problem that you have, and uh, it's really easy to push away the people around you, and then you're left isolated. So even if you want help, who are you going to ask? Yeah. Right. Swim. and you're hard to love too right. so it's like so when did yeah.
2: you like in the journey of your story so when did you kind of like start opening up whether it was did you have to go to like a treatment center or did you get like mental health like therapy? so or i went you... to
1: a youth treatment center in washington okay. it was like the only one at the time it was called lakeside mylon Burian. it was like in the forest lakeside mm. my school. cool yeah. trying to catch raccoons and like that introduced me into what 12 steps were that introduced me to the program, but I I didn't stick around. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, I went back to the same people, the same places. The woman that I was with at the time, like, was like, I like you better when you're high. And I just fell back into it. Right. I mean, it's not that crazy. Like, I liked me better when I was high at that time. I felt, I thought I was boring. I didn't know how to live without it. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, it wasn't until like a few years later that I actually had an opportunity to get well. I went to a place in Texas that ended me out in California. actually came to California because I thought Pasadena was like in a forest. I thought it had a lot of trees. <laughs> it does. I got, a, I got a treatment center pamphlet yeah. for the Bishop Gooden. No, no shade to the Bishop, Gooden they're, Bishop they're a great, Gooden. they're a great program. But their pamphlet was like, the forest is right here. And there's like a guy stacking rocks, like standard treatment center, like, come on, like sales tactics. And I was like, all right, I'm going there. And it was like, not that. And I was like, this is a trap. This is a lie. And uh, I didn't stay sober uh, because it's not about the place that you're at. It's about the work that you do and uh, for yourself. And I ended up in like a really grungy, run-down trap house, sober living, like Mm. which most of them are. And I stayed sober ever since.
0: Yeah. That's fucking nuts. Yeah. It's amazing. It's
1: true. You
2: can get... Sober, wherever you're at, it's the willingness, if the willingness is there. Yeah, like... I
1: mean, there there's a lot of things that come into it, right? Like, the other thing that happened was I got fortunate enough that the people that started moving in were all younger, and we started to form a community, and we had a really tight community, and we would go to meetings together, and we'd hang out together, and so there were a lot of things that happened that I was very lucky to have happen, like, I, they don't happen all the time, and uh, the community network in sobriety was really tight in Pasadena Mm -hmm. during that time. Uh, and so that had a lot to do with so it. So
2: what were some of the things that you would do? Like that, you know, you're all trying to get sober. You're all trying to like live your life right. Like what were some of the things that you would do for fun?
1: Like, for fun? Yeah, I as didn't... You're, trying
2: to get, like, <laughs> as you're trying to get sober. Man, that's people, so
1: funny. A lot of people <laughs> have a stigma. No, well, a it was miserable, a, a man. A lot of
2: people have a stigma around like, oh my God, right? If I get sober, like my life is gonna blow. Yeah,
1: they're right, so, man. You're going from <laughs> I mean it's like you're going from here mm-hmm. where you're doing like I don't know like how you use right but like I totally get that like if you've done ecstasy and you're going yeah. from like a rave and you're doing ecstasy to like hey now you're not and you have no conception of how to live without it mm-hmm. like yeah it's gonna seem like it's boring
2: yeah
1: right um, I didn't have fun at the beginning at all I did not yeah. want to play volleyball yeah, I want to go to the beach. Like that's a thing. Like people get sober and they're like, "Let's let's go have sober fun." I'm <laughs> like, "Dude, my life sucks." <laughs> for sure. Yeah. I'm not trying to pal in this car, but uh, you know, like my using wasn't fun at the end. That's how I knew I wasn't a recreational user because I wasn't. It was different. It was much yeah. different, and um, I was more focused on like not going back. So for me, I was just like, whatever I have to do to be. Different, and like identify how I can really have a life outside of this one that I had before was really important to me. So like I had to find meaning. That was it. -hmm. I had to find meaning because I like I couldn't experience life through recreation the same way. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have to discover something else for myself. So I was like, share with us like
2: what was that? Yeah, what was the meaning? meaning? What was that turning point? Because a lot of people struggle out there, and they. Are on the like cusp of like, Hey, I want to get well, but like, I want to like share insight around like, what does it mean to have like that, that moment, that shift and like to where you're like, i matter, I'm valuable. And like, I want to try this thing. Yeah.
1: I think that like, I mean, self-esteem is a huge problem, right? Like when I got sober, I didn't have any self-esteem. I had no Mm -hmm. self-worth. So I, I wasn't like, I matter. I was like, I do not matter. Right. Um. And I think a lot of people share that. But I wanted to, for me, I, I had seen the life that i would lived before and taking new action seemed like a big risk, right? It seems like a risk. Like, what is my life going to be like without this thing? What's up, man? Talk, talk <laughs> about, talk about <laughs> the thought. In. You just let out a big seven. Yeah.
0: What's up? Fill Where me in. You go? Isn't it crazy the human body does that? You're it's like, just yeah. <laughs> it's just like I didn't even think about Are you identifying? Yeah, you yeah, know? Like it's beautiful. I got, I didn't have meaning when I was using. Like um mm-hmm. I didn't see my life going anywhere when I was using, but using made it feel a little bit better. And then I got sober and I'm like I guess I'm doing this thing, but it's like what now? Sure. Like what am I going to do? What is my purpose of being here? You start questioning life in general. Like wh- how am I going to make a dif- am I going to make a difference? Like what am I going to do to like help somebody? Do I want to help anybody? Like, what am I passionate about? What do I like? I didn't even know my interest. Sure. You know, so So over time, yeah, over time, I just started like doing things and finding out what I like to do. And then part of it was this, like just making videos and um, then I kind of like turned it into being able to spread a message. Mm. So, yeah, I relate. Over time, it kind of just fell into place a little bit.
1: It's scary, man. Mm-hmm. You got the, the way discussion. he's
2: articulating yeah. it is like you're yeah. living it. Like so, keep going. And it is scary because <laughs> you actually have to like scary, put
0: initiative man. in action. Yeah, and then my head wants to like kind of keep me low sometimes. Like I'm like fighting a battle in my head with like you want to do this, but where's like that? Like you have the motivation. It's just like but you want to sit on your ass and do nothing. Do you though? Like, where like, does I'm that scared... voice
1: come from? Like, is that you or is that something else? That's,
0: it's something else. It's not. I don't think it's me.
1: Who, who is it? Whose voice is talking to you, man?
0: <laughs> I don't. The addiction side of me. I don't know. I feel like I have three voices in my head. Sure. It's like like my higher self, like my ego, maybe for the neutral one. Sure. The one that's just seeing it all. Um. Like, my ego, higher self, and, like, the one that's trying to bring me down. You know? And they're all just, like, fighting, going back and forth. One day, one like, one's doing better than the other. I don't know.
1: But- Sometimes you just need to take a nap. You know <laughs> yeah. Sometimes you just need to shut it down. Sometimes you're like, hey, man, I'm losing today. The battle is not to be won. Yeah. I'm taking a 30-minute shut it down, dude. Yeah. Like, Bop. Right?
2: Yeah. For,
1: sure. for real. Yeah. I think that the, the scariest thing for you know, cause if someone's a recreational user, if somebody just like experiments with drugs, like um, a lot of this stuff may not apply to them, they can have the same thing. When you cross over into substance abuse, one of the problems is, you know, you're just maladjusted to living life, right? And life mm-hmm. can seem really scary because imagine if you could kind of do whatever you want, there was no blueprint. It was just like, what do you want to make of this thing? And you just don't know how to do that without this thing, right? And that's a lot of responsibility and a lot yeah. of, you know, there's a lot of options. Are you indecisive? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's you cool. have the planet to choose from, right? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh! <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> you
0: can't even decide what to eat for like dinner.
1: Yeah, dinner, man. So. Now you have all the food in front of you. Yes. Right? You're actually in LA, which is a huge, you know. Mecca for food. Yeah. And yeah. the
2: food trucks and all that. And much. really, it's like yeah. a
0: luxury. Like, yeah. oh, I could choose anything. But it's like, it, it's overwhelming.
1: It's overwhelming. So, like, when I – I just wanted a regular life, man. That's it. I had lived a life that was, like, crazy. I have lived enough. What's a
0: regular life? Like,
1: I wanted, you know, the societal American dream. Mm. I wanted, like, the white – I just wanted, like, a 9 to 5, a white picket fence, and I just wanted it to be boring, dude. I wanted to wear, like, cargo pants or, like, whatever. I don't know. Just – I just was like, let me just – whatever that is Mm -hmm. and uh you just meet people and you find things along the way i mean part of getting back in touch with yourself is you get to learn who you are right and uh that can be hard to do it can be hard to live for yourself and it can be hard to really be true to yourself yes you know it's a lot easier to hide
0: you said you had a full time you're a firefighter now and you do end overdose full time like how do you how do you put time make time for you
1: Uh, I mean that is my time right yeah Uh, but I think like the things that I do are taxing like Mm -hmm. to a high degree right being a fireman and paramedic takes a lot from you because of the stimulation that you go through Uh, where I work is also extraordinarily busy Um, and so you gotta have things that refill your tank right and that's part of like being alive is finding out you know what makes you feel whole right if you don't have an answer for that that's kind of a problem right uh, cause it's easy to just do stuff all the time. And, uh, for me, like, I'm like not an exciting person a lot of the time. Right. But a huge thing is getting that refill from community, yeah. right? Like if there are people around you that you can just be around that don't take from you that like, you feel like, all right, this is giving me something back giving me some depth. Like when you really feel heard, like when you're talking to someone, you really feel mm-hmm. heard. You're like, oh, imagine, mm-hmm. fuck, thank you, mm-hmm. right? Like even if it's stupid, you're just like, yeah, yesterday I went to the store. And they're like, yes. And you're like, oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that yeah. one, right? And then uh, on the other token of that, it's like, you know, when you're working with somebody, like I go to therapy every week, I have a sponsor, I still go to meetings. I work with other guys in program uh, 12 steps and uh, being able to do things for others yeah. fills it up. And so for me, it's like real simple. There's like different, like it wears different dresses. Like sometimes it looks like this, but it's all kind of the same thing. Yeah. Right. And uh, I schedule that time in cause I'm like always doing something. I'll work 72 hours or 24 hours. I'll get off. I'll go do end overdose stuff. We'll have like events coming up. We'll have trainings planning. I'll fall asleep on the office floor for like 30 minutes and I'll just go.
0: You're nuts. It's
1: amazing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're passion.
0: nuts. Like this yeah. is your thing. Yeah. Does it, it doesn't feel like work?
1: No. I mean, the thing is, is it's like not everybody gets the opportunity to do that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And so when you've kind of, like for me, it's like someone once called it a passion project for me, but. It feels like more than that, because they're, you know, so when you realize people are depending on you, mm. you can't stop, right? It's so like, what are you going to do? Just like throw in the towel? Yeah. You're like, ah, oh, I'm tired.
2: Man. I'm tired today. I'm not, I'm not showing up. <laughs> yeah,
1: not today, right? You know, like, could you imagine if a first responder came to your house and they're like, no, too tired. <laughs> So I'm curious,
2: like, because um, it's such a discipline, like what you do as a first responder. So it is a discipline. Yeah. Like, what are some of the things that you do to maintain that, like, I don't know what they call like spiritual disciplines or like disciplines, like in your Ooh, life?
1: Ooh, spicy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the it's you always have to be ready in that position. So there's never, a you have to literally be ready for any problem at any time, right? Mm-hmm. And so it leaves you kind of in a, you know, elevated state. Some people talk about like fight or Mm -hmm. flight response, "Ah, ah," right? Yeah. Um, But for me, like physical health, physical training has always been really important. Uh, Not to sound like too much of a meathead, (laughs) but like...
2: You work out every day.
1: Every day. Multiple times a day. Is it like
2: mandatory for your mental Uh, health?
1: It's like when you're looking at a building in downtown Los Angeles right? And it's like 70 stories. I have to be able to, in my brain, look at that building and be like, yeah, I can get to the top of that with a bunch of shit on me. Oh, because you don't you want bet. to feel like yeah. you can't. Because mm-hmm. like, it's your job, man. Yeah. You have to be able to do that. And even if you feel like you can't, you still have to. So figure it out. Right? And so putting myself in positions that are really challenging. Where it's like, I don't know if I'm gonna be able to do this, and then doing it anyway are like really important to me, right? And that can feel like taking a risk. And like, I'm not talking about like, I'm gonna jump over fire today, right? Or like something like that. But I don't know. You uh, ready? You know? <laughs> you gotta get ready for that. But like, <laughs> some of friends. it. Yeah, a lot of like, a lot of like discipline just comes from like small choices, right? And you can't, you can't, like, for example, little things like just like cleaning your house, Mm -hmm. making your bed, right? All those small little choices and decisions lead to the bigger ones. And if I'm struggling down here, Mm. I have to focus at the little things first before I move on to anything big. Otherwise, you know, I'm off, right? And because essentially the same decision is being made every single time. It's just, you know, What's your practice with it? If that makes sense. I don't know if that was fucking esoteric. That was (laughs)
2: amazing. It's like the small actions every single day. Yeah, I forget. There was a podcast I listened to once, and he's like, you know, the very most important thing is making your bed. Hey man, life.
1: make your bed, take a shower, brush yeah. your teeth, give yourself a high five in the mirror, and get on yeah. with your day, man.
0: Oh, I should have thought of that. If I need a high five, boom. Just give yourself,
1: it could be dangerous. Yeah. It would be like looking at the mirror like, oh god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no! Yeah, I could definitely work that's on that That's amazing. Discipline.
2: So you go to the gym every single day. Um, yeah. What else?
1: Yeah, I mean, I try and talk to somebody every single day. Uh, something that's really important is... Letting people know who you are. What do you mean? So, you can't go through life without somebody knowing what's going on with you, right? And it's really easy to do, right? You can be with people all the time and you can still isolate, right? Mm -hmm. And so, who do you have in your life that you can trust enough to just tell them the truth? And maybe the truth is like, I feel like I hate myself, I hate the way that I look. I think I look disgusting whatever it is right I don't feel good about my career I feel like I have no meaning in life like who are you able to be transparent with that and if you're not able to you know is there someone that you could pay to do that like a therapist right is there another outlet you can have because it's vital you have to be vulnerable you have to Mm -hmm. otherwise what happens is you lose touch with yourself and your emotions and you get cold. And when you get cold, you get numb. And then if you're numbed out, you'll just go into some dark places. Very true. Ooh. I love that. <laughs> that was pretty, It's
0: true.
2: Like That's the loneliness, there. like it's important to allow someone to get to know you. And I think throughout the journey of my own, like, you know, you know, this, like my substance abuse recovery and like mental health. It's been like, I used to have so many friends, you know, but it was just like fair weather friends and like, you know, oh, it's a good time. Like we're gonna go hang out. And like I, I used to like try to bring like the party life into sobriety to like make it fun. And then it got really lonely over time because I realized like how superficial that was. And then I think the biggest thing, I love what you said, is like having that routine every day and knowing that you can count on someone to talk to authentically. So that's been like my latest thing is just I want authentic relationships with people who share similar visions, similar goals, and like, just like, like what our mission here, planting seeds, that's it, to try to make a difference in the world. If I can, and you, planting your seeds, and education, and training, like, to me that's success. Totally. Not the fucking, like, what you shared in the beginning. The picket, that's what you thought you wanted. The sure. fence. The dog, the wife, the, you know, I thought I wanted that too. And, like, it doesn't matter to me. What matters is, like, if I feel, like, fulfilled, that I've, like, authentically tried to make a difference. That's it. Sure. Fuck the degree. Fuck that. That's, like, those are positive, like, benefits, but they don't define, like, who you are. Right? And so I just, like totally vibed with you on that and I thought that was awesome that you shared that so thank you. Is there anything else
0: you want to put out there? Yeah. Out there about End Overdose or you or a message? Oh. Any events
1: coming up? like Yeah, yeah. tons of events Uh we're going to be at Skyline Festival on the 26th and the 25th it, uh, it's Factory 93 and Day Trip um, it's an Somniac event we're going to be at Wasteland which is BaseCon on the 24th and the 25th Hold on, I gotta
2: ask. Do you get down with that stuff? Oh yeah. Oh my god, I need to come like hang out with you. Yeah,
1: so I used to be very heavy. All
2: my friends think I'm ridiculous for like being you know very open. I'm 38 years old and like catching me at a festival on a Saturday and like I'm alone in the field, not on drugs, not popping anything, but just like vibing with the music. Yeah, they're like, you're so lame.
1: The production values like the music it's insane right Feeling. yeah it's great like 10 out of 10 huge fan make it happen put loud music everywhere right but uh you know we do like regular, do you like sullivan it's... king sullivan king is great
2: isn't it amazing to work yeah.
1: out to i'm like wow love that <laughs> i have a whole visual right now just like... <laughs> yeah, got, it sounds like we gotta go to the
2: gym it's, it's just three. like let's <laughs> work out to you. i want
1: to put you on to this song are you ready click for. Go hard. Right. Yeah, but I think uh, if, you know, if I have to like close out with a message, it would be like, you know, there are resources available to you. If you're struggling and you need help, you can ask for it or at least signal to somebody that you need it and we'll come find you. And, uh, you know, if you know someone struggling with opioid overdose or addiction or, you know, might be at risk, there's a free resource where you could save a life. You can just go to our website and take the training. Link in the bio. <laughs> yeah, dude. just kidding. Love it for real. <laughs> Thank you so much for yeah. coming on. I really yeah. appreciate it. Yeah, it's a pleasure.